you're reminded that uh, what, what we are in is the second of five sections about the worthy walk. Um, this is walking in holiness. We already talked about walking in unity. And last week, uh, in verses 17 to 24, Paul reminded these Ephesians of what their life used to be like prior to Christ, and then saying that you shouldn't walk like that anymore. That's, that's what the worthy walk is. Don't, don't return to walk, verse 17, as the Gentiles walk. And then there was this description of this uh, pre-Christ man. And what were some of those things? And you can look in the passage if you need to be reminded. We, we talk about, I think, three. What, what were some of the things that marks a pre-Christ man or woman? Right, right. There's a pointless mindset, right? There's a worthless mind, okay? And there is a blindness in their heart. <laughs> and then blindness in their soul, darkness of their understanding, uh, alienated from the life of God. I like to I like to walk it backwards. I think that makes the most sense. If you walk backwards from uh, verse 19, which talks about their actions, in their actions they are given over to all filthiness. That word means all uncleanness. Uh, it, it's as I mentioned last week. It's a word that that comes from a word that meant like the foulness of a sore that you might have. And, and so they, they are given over to that, and they, they're, the way they're given over to that is almost in an insatiable way. They just cannot get enough of filthiness. Okay? And the reason they can't get enough of filthiness, as you just walk it back, is because they become callous. And the reason they become callous, or that, that's the word past feeling in verse 19, the reason they're callous is because they're blind and they're ignorant and the reason they're ignorant of God's truth is because they're separated from him. And they're separated from, from him in their darkness and their futile understanding. What a horrible, horrible description of our world. Um, and I, I think back to the story that we talked about two weeks ago in church history about uh, Peter saying, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And remember, the only reason he could say that was because the Father had revealed that to him. All of, I mean, I told Leah on the way here tonight, Maybe I have a, a fondness about looking back to Sunday night services when I was a child, but it just seemed like there were a lot of people going to Sunday night church. Didn't there to you? I mean, were there a lot of people going to Sunday night church? I, mean, if I feel like there was. I, maybe, maybe I'm looking at it very optimistically. But I, as we're driving along, like uh, dressed up real nice and walking, driving by people that are just out for walks or playing in their yard, I just thought about how the church has really given the culture Sunday back. The, the church has just given it away. In my mind, we talked about the Sabbath and the Lord's Day. And the church, church is just, and, and we've just kind of embraced that. And the reason, the reason that this is so special and we're here tonight, the only reason we're here tonight, studying God's word, praying together, and singing, is because God has revealed this great truth to us about how, how he is the Savior. And our, 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 uh, our minds are thinking about eternal things, and we're given this special day-to-day to think about uh, those matters. So Paul is saying that's how you used to be. Your life should bear no resemblance to that anymore. So in other words, any time that we're, we're looking like verses 17, 18, and 19 means that verse 20, that's not what Christ has taught us. 
We did not learn Christ that way. Now, does anybody have a clue as to what that might mean? You have not so learned Christ. That's an interesting word that I want to talk about too, but what, is, what does that really mean? What's, a, what's another way of saying that? Okay, all of these things were true about you, but you did not so learn Christ. Another way of saying that would be what? Hmm? Okay. Anybody else want to? Okay, yeah. Christ, this is not the, the pattern or teaching that he expressed. Look at it here. That's absolutely, but look at, let's look further. Verse 20, you have not so learned Christ if indeed you have heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. I'm going to tell you what I think about the passage. I might be wrong, but I'm, I'm going to tell you what I think this means. I think what Paul is doing is he states verse 20 and then he explains verse 20 in verse 21. He just expands on what verse 20 means. So verse 21 is really telling us what verse 20 means. You did not so learn Christ. And here's what learning Christ means. Hearing him and being taught by him that the truth is in Christ. I think what, what Paul is really saying is this, this is simply another way of saying you were saved. You learned Christ. I think it's really another way of saying Okay, this is what a Gentile life is like, but this is, not, this is not what a saved person does. You did not learn Christ this way. You heard him, and you were taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. Now, if I'm right about that, and I, I really think I am, that if you, you did not learn him means this, this, is, this is your salvation experience. But that's what I think verse 20 is. But you're a Christian, I think is what it's saying. But you're a believer. You're a follower of Jesus. You learned him. Isn't that a neat way of saying it? You learned him. Now, this, this, is a, this is an important point here. This is, this is how a person becomes a Christian. They believe in a certain set of truths and, and, and embrace those truths. The Christian experience is not a, you know, I, I'm trying to illustrate, it's not this, you kind of just morph into this feeling. Think about the passage, uh, I want to say it's 2 Peter 3.9. That may not be the right passage. 2 Peter 3.9 where it says, God desires all men to be, this is probably the wrong passage. God desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Salvation is knowledge. It's something that we learn. When, when Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, he had learned something. He had been taught knowledge. And the knowledge is that the truth is in Christ. And we could also kind of say that the truth is, what would be a word you might fill in there? The truth is in Christ, but you might want to insert a word here. The truth is, and my mind works wrongly, I think, but the truth is only in Christ. Right? John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth. And he isn't interesting what he says? As the truth is in Jesus, verse 21 doesn't say as there is there is truth in Jesus or as there is a truth about Jesus but when you came to Christ you learned him and the way you learned him was you heard him you were taught by him and you understood that the truth was in him isn't that neat you want to say something go ahead please you're just itching then I must be right <laughs> 
Right. Yeah. Well, Christianity, and this is why when we think about working with kids, we don't just go for entertainment. Or when we're working with adults, we don't just go for entertainment. We present truth to every man's conscience. That's what Second Corinthians 4 says. And, and uh, what does it also say? That Satan blinds their minds let they see, lest they see the glorious light of the gospel. So becoming a Christian is coming to a knowledge of the truth. So verse 20, I'm really, I'm really saying this, and since Derek agrees now, I can say it with greater conviction. Greater conviction. In the past, you were alienated from God, past feeling, giving yourself to all over uncleanness. But you're a believer. But you're a believer. You heard the truth of Christ. So separate from that. The life that we enjoy in Christ, here's an important word for me, is incompatible with that life. Remember the trouble we had with Allie and the Cuba thing that one Sunday night she was going to present her thing and we didn't have the right cord because it was incomplete. We had cords. I had a box full of them, but none of them were compatible with the computer. That's the idea here. Give me a scripture that tells us, there's hundreds of them, that, that the, the believer's life is incompatible with their past life or incompatible with the life that the world presents. Yeah, the whole, the whole chapter, right? There is a lifestyle of the righteous. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't sit there. Delight in the Lord. Give another one. Right. Don't be, don't be tied to an unbeliever. Your life is incompatible. Talking about a, a marriage situation. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do not be conformed to this world. You can't be squeezed into the culture. What were you, was that the same scripture or you have a different one? The whole... Yeah, isn't there's really there's hundreds Romans 8 Galatians 5 walk in the spirit don't fulfill the lust of the flesh you're dead to sin Uh, James 4 says friendship with the world is hatred towards God and most Christians do this if this is the Christian life you're all sitting on this side so this is the Christian life and this is the past feeling given over to uncleanness most Christians want to do this I want to be over here when it's convenient for me but I want to embrace some of this too. And Paul's saying, that's not what a believer does. That's not how you came to Christ. And the, there is a break in that. Okay? Um, all that we learned in 1 John, when we went through that study, one of the, the three tests, I'll never forget that the rest of my life, the, the love test, the truth test, and the, mora- and the uh, morality test. Like, th- there, is, there are things believers believe there are things believers do in their actions and there's people the believers love and people who say they love jesus but don't obey are liars or the passage we talked about this morning uh those who hear and don't do lord lord did we not do all these things in your name we talked about that verse together when you guys were working this week i cast out demons i i uh, uh prophesied in your name i never knew you you workers of iniquity right I, I was over here working all impurity with greediness. So Paul's saying, Ephesian believers, that is not true of you anymore. Sounds like people are poking on him. Anyway, we've heard him, we've been taught of him that there's truth in Jesus. Now what follows there are three statements, and this will be our message tonight, very simple, three statements that describe what the believer must do 
to keep themselves from falling into that Gentile pattern. Okay? I love the term in, the, in verse 17, no longer walk like that. Make a clean break from that. Um, but the temptation and the danger is that believers will go back to that and go back to that and go back to that, kind of like I talked about the pig uh, last week. And Paul says that life is not compatible. Um, so the question that arises, and, and not to be too technical, the question that arises with these statements, and, and let's just quickly mention the statements. What are the three statements that you see in the verses that follow that are instructive to us as believers? What are the three statements? Okay, put off the old man is statement number one. Be renewed is statement number two. And then put on the new man. Those are the three statements. So here's the question. And again, I don't want to be too technical. Are they commands or are they statements? Are they commands or are they statements? Because in the, in the Greek, they're in infinitive. They're not in, they're not in the imperative. So are they statements that are saying these things have already happened to you? When you learned Christ, the old man was put off. You were renewed in the spirit of your mind. And you did put off, uh, excuse me, put on the old man. It's saying it already happened. Or is it saying that these things are commands? Again, they're not in imperatives. And there's people that believe both. So we have to make a decision. Let me show you some scriptures that help me arrive at my decision, okay? And, and uh, then we can talk about it maybe. Uh, let's just please, uh, can I throw out some verses and have you read them? Um, four of them. Well, the one is here, so there's only three. Uh, one is in Romans 13, one is in Romans 6, and one is in Colossians 3. Could you all just turn to one of those, please? Uh, one is in Romans 13, one is in Romans 6, and one is in Colossians 3. Okay? So the question we're asking ourselves is, are these imperatives that we are being commanded to obey, or are they infinitives that are saying it's already happened? Okay? Let's try to decide. Romans 13, let me get there too so I can follow along with whoever's going to read. Verses 12 to 14. Would someone be willing to read that loudly so we can hear you? Romans 13, 12 to 14. Yeah, 13, 12 to 14. One more verse, please. Yeah. Here's how those statements are worded in the New King James. Verse 12, let us cast off the works of darkness, put on the armor of light. Verse 14, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, do not make provision for the flesh. Now, I know in the English and the Greek it doesn't, they don't really mesh, but does that, does that sound like a command or a statement to you? Just in the English, what does it sound like? And in the Greek, it is too. It's an imperative. You are to do it. And it's very similar language to what we read in Ephesians, isn't it? Put off the darkness, put on Christ. So here, Paul states it in the form of a command. But look at Romans 6. Did someone turn to Romans 6 and can read verse uh, 7, or excuse me, uh, five and six. Did anyone turn there? Okay, Stephanie, please. Yeah. 
This is talking about the moment of salvation. When that happens, uh, she just read, the body of sin might be done away with, our old man was crucified. What does that sound like? Statement or command? Statement. It's already happened. So here's what we're trying to discern in Ephesians, and, and we can all go to the Colossians passage because real close to Ephesians. Is Ephesians saying this has already happened or you're supposed to do it? This has already happened, you're supposed to do it. It's an important question. Let's look at the Colossians one because it's so similar to the Ephesians one. And this is Colossians chapter 3, verse, um, yeah, it's verse 8, but let's look at 6, 7, and 8. Do you have that, Dave? Go ahead and read that. And same with verse 10, yeah, same with verse 10. Do not lie since you, but look at it, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Isn't that interesting? In, in two verses, very clearly in verse uh, 8, command, and then in verse 9, it's statement. See it? In verse 10, you have put on the new man. This is, this is really interesting. So is it something, in back to Ephesians now, that Paul is saying, listen, when you learned Christ, the old man was put off. Is that true? On the whole of Scripture, it definitely is. Has the new man been put on? Have you been renewed in your mind? Yes. You don't walk with a futile mind. All that is true. And in Colossians and the Romans passage, there are commands, but in the Ephesians passage, it's used in an infinitive sense. And again, there's, there's people on both sides that, that say it's, it's a command. There's other people that say it's, it's a statement. What, what we need to consider, and, and let, me, let me say the best of my limited study, that in some sense is it, it makes sense to, to understand it as both. I read something just this afternoon. Sometimes when I really struggle over a, a thing, I, I go to my last-minute uh, reading, and here's what I read this afternoon. And we talked about this in Ephesians 1, verse 1, when it says, uh, uh, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. I preached a message a long time ago that was called, uh, Be What You Are. Be what you are. You are saints, so live that way. And I really think that's what Paul is saying in Ephesians 4 again, okay? Is the old man put off? When you learned Christ, Romans 6, Colossians 3, was the old man put off? Yes. That's true. So be that. Be what you are. Keep putting the old man off. Has the new man put up, been put on? Yes. So keep putting the old man on. What, what, what Paul is really expressing here is that as believers, since this is true of you, since the old man's been put off, think of 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, the old is gone. The new has come. So to, to go back and live like the old makes no sense for a Christian. Makes, you know, it, it is not a compatible thought. So let us be what we are. All things are new, but all things are not, insert a word for me, all things are new, but all things are not, well, insert a word, yeah, perfectly new or completely new, right? I mean, we spent four months downstairs on Wednesday night talking about holiness and the old man and the flesh and how it crops up anytime we want to do good. And so the command to put it off still exists, but it is off. It is off. Keep putting it off. I hope that that's the conclusion I came to. And I think that for me that makes the most sense.
I think Paul is saying here, Ephesian believers, this is what happened. Keep it happening. The old man is off. Don't go back and put it on. Friday, when I was doing that mulch with you, and I put on these old pants, right, and, and I have all the mulch stains on my knees, and I, when the work was done, I took those off and put on. I'm not going to go put those old. They're off. Why would I go put the old back on to, to, to visit and to work and so forth, okay? So in the rest of the section, if you look da- down in Ephesians 4, verse uh, 25 to 32, which we'll talk about next time, he lists all these things that have to be put off. Put away lying. Uh, uh, don't steal. Don't speak corrupt words. Don't uh, Put away bitterness, verse 31. Put away wrath and anger. Be kind. Put those things away. Uh, so that those specific things are going to be challenges and commands. But, but the... The idea of verses 22 and 24, I think, is it's stating a reality. It is stating a reality for anyone who has learned Christ, that the old is off and the new is on. So don't go back to it. Okay? Seems like some people want to maybe say a comment. Or you want to say a comment? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when I was doing this, it's not so much that we have to live in the world, but this is more of a picture of I'm embracing all that the world wants to give, right? Uh, obviously, we have to be a part of the world, and we must be a part of the world. If we want to closet ourselves like the Ascends and go off and live in monastery villages and never have the world touch us, then what kind of value are we to Christ? So obviously, yes, I mean, we have to, we're going to be, the minute we step outside here, we're going to be touched with things. I mean, we're watching a show. We've talked about this before. We're watching treehouse uh, builders or something. And the c- it's like, this is a great little family program. And then the, the first commercial, you've got to have your hand ready because you're just bombarded. So I'm not, s- we are going to be touched and tainted by that, but am I embracing that? And that's Paul is saying, don't, you know, that's the old way. Put that away. It has been put away. Keep putting it away. Stop reaching back for it. Sometimes, uh, and we, we've, I probably mentioned the same things over and over, because they. but we were, I remember being around some Christians who were kind of wistfully stating what their sin would be if they were still, you know, like, like what? Or almost looking back at your past life like, oh, it's a strange, Paul would never instruct us to do that. Anyway, let's look at the quick, let's look at these infinitives then real quick. See, I said it was going to be short, and all of a sudden it's 555. Put off the old man. And, and again, I, I, we can uh, quickly go through this because we've spent a lot of time uh, Wednesday night. Some of you weren't in the study, but um, we have to fling it aside. Look how the old man is described, too. First of all, it's our former life. And then we're already told in verse 17 to no longer return to our former life. But it's the old man that grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. The old man, remember we said, how long will you be fighting with that old flesh? Day you die, day you die, you'll be struggling with it. And it continues to grow corrupt. 
uh, and it's a deceitful lust that it provides. Um, it's a terrible enemy because it, it, it strives after that old life, and it does so in a deceitful way. And I just jotted down a few things regarding its deceitful lust. First of all, uh, the old flesh hides what really should be considered. It conceals circumstances and consequences that we, that we will face should we fall into them. And it presents what is really or not totally true. That's what the old man does. It hides what we really should consider, conceals circumstances and consequences, and presents what's not really true. Um, it's disguised. I'm always brought back to Jacob and Esau when Jacob tricked his father and put the goat skins on his arms and deceived his father. That's what the old man does. It's, it presents these lusts and sins. It presents this lifestyle as something, as something that we wish we were still a part of or, or we're... Or we're um, we, we, we kind of wish we could uh, embrace that part of culture, and our flesh actually really does. There is this part of us, this unredeemable part of us, that does want those sins still. And so Romans 6 tells us, we talked about this all winter, Romans 6 tells us we've got to kill that, kill that desire, put it off. Second thing, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I like the connection back to the mind of the unbeliever in verse 17. They walk in pointless existence, but our mind has been renewed. That happened at our salvation. So continue to renew their mind. Again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold the both, that I think it is talking about something that has already happened, and it also is saying continue to have this happen. Our minds are not reprobate. They are renewed. Even the most academically brilliant mind is not a renewed mind. A renewed mind means you can connect your mind to the revelation of God. Remember we talked about this last week. The reprobate mind cannot make sense of the revelation of God. It cannot connect it to truth. Ours can. And we're to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And the way we're renewed in the spirit of our mind is through, this is an easy one, the word of God. Romans 12, you already brought that up. Uh, uh, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And uh, Titus 3, verse 5, we're real close to that. I, I have that memorized, but I might make it... Uh, might make an error if I don't look at it. Uh, Titus 3.5, by the washing of the water of the word, doesn't, uh, not by works of righteousness and them, but according to his mercy, through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. The word is used by the Spirit to continually renew our mind. We have a way of thinking about our old lives that people who are still in their old lives don't have a way of thinking about. They can't say to themselves, they might say to themselves things like, I wish my life wasn't this way, or I wish I could kick this habit, or I wish I could uh, break this vice, or why do I keep doing this? But they don't see it as an offense to God like believers do. And so being in the Word regularly, having this, this new capability that God has given us, our minds are not darkened, but they're enlightened to truth. And we can expose our minds to more and more truth so that it might affect as I mentioned this morning, our actions. Being exposed to truth means nothing if actions don't follow. Okay, we can be exposed to all the truth in the world and, and still be living in a way that is not right. And the third one, just so we can finish here, the third one, putting on the new man. And look how the new man is described. Such a difference. All of a sudden we start to be able to cleanse ourselves from this horrible thinking of the old man, but the new man was created according to God. Now here's kind of the astounding truth here, is the new man is uh, created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Think about the statement in there, according to God. 
That's a little bit overwhelming. What is the new man equated to? What is the new man? What does the word according to mean, really? What, what, do you, what, are we, what is he saying here? Okay. When you were living as an old man, I'm not saying you are an old man, you understand what I'm saying, but you were living as the old, and, and you learned Christ. Okay. The old was put off, and the new man was put on. What is that new man? What is that new man? Yeah, it's Christ-likeness. It's God-likeness. That's astounding, isn't it? Um, because it's righteousness and holiness. Here, here's, the, here's the thing. When, when you put on, I mean, in the other passages, didn't we read it in, in the Romans passage? Put on Christ. Right? There's a God-likeness. The, the new man is, is, you are now like God. Now, we're not talking in the same way that Satan tempted Adam and Eve. You will be like gods or... or but your character now has the potential and the ability to resemble God because it's created in true righteousness and holiness. Some people think that the righteousness is related to our uh, relationships with men and holiness is relationship to God. I don't buy that necessarily. I think both are, both are statements that are uh, describing who God is and now are describing what the new man is that we are now wearing. I, I love the definition for righteousness, fulfilling all of our obligations towards God. And then holiness is just this complete purity, that this is, this is now what we have put on, and it is, a, it is resemblance of God. So what is being discussed here? You mentioned the word transformation. I have that written down too. There is a dr drastic transformation that happens at the moment of our conversion. That's what he's saying here. These things have happened. When you learned Christ, the old was, the old was cut away. It was crucified. It was put aside. And the new was put on. And so Paul says, why in the world would you, go would you trade those? And he lists all the ways that the old man must, we'll, we'll, we'll just quickly buzz through those next week, the lying. The, those things are, are characteristic of the old style, the old man. Don't revert to that. The problem is the temptation is going to rise the minute we get out of here to do something. So be reminded of that.